Welcome to a special edition of Tricky Kid Radio. I'm your host, Roy Turner. Uh, join us as uh, we honor uh, the late, great um, Anthony Bourdain. Uh, it's unthinkable that uh, that he is gone. Uh, it's, it's hard to even wrap my head around it uh, entirely, but we're going to try here um, to actually have a celebration of his life instead of having a blues jam. I've invited a lot of... Uh, of uh, of friends, uh, mutual friends that I have with Tony um, to honor his life, uh, his legacy, and just so much that he brought uh, to so many. Um, Like many of you, uh, I woke up uh, the morning of June 8th in complete and total disbelief, and, and it hasn't really left me since. How could this giant, this, this traveler, this, uh, this, this, this leader, of um, this rebel, you know what I mean? Uh, this this fearless person that has taken us on so many journeys uh, and so far and so wide in places we never ever, ever heard of uh, to be exposed to food that we couldn't even possibly dream of uh, and took us all along for the ride uh, and to be a part of it. Uh, how could that? How could that person? Uh, that just seemed so invincible, uh, be gone. Uh, you know, we know w- what the facts of, of, of life are, um, but this just feels just downright unacceptable. And uh, and for anyone that's listening, uh, we dedicate all this episode not only to Tony and his family, uh, but to anyone that's listening that's uh, that's having any sort of, of struggle with mental health. September is Mental Health Awareness Month, and when we aim to raise that awareness uh, as high as we possibly can. Uh, throughout this episode, you'll be hearing information uh, regularly uh, of outlets and resources and things that if you need help, or even if you don't think that you need help, but you know that at least enough that there's something wrong, something has, you know, a feeling that you can't shake, uh, know that you're not alone. Even when you feel like that you are, that you're not. And we're happy to provide that. We have a lot of great guests. Um, some of those mutual friends I was talking about, we've got uh, Dave Ketching, one of my oldest friends. Uh, he is a member of Queen of the Stone Age as well as Eagles of Death Metal. Um we got Lauren Larson, one of my from one of my favorite uh, uh, rock bands out of Austin, Texas. Ume, she's here. You're going to hear from a lot of people. Um, you're going to hear from Neil Fallon from Clutch. You're going to hear from Larry Hama, who uh, writer and creator of uh, of GI Joe and many other comics, and uh, just an old punk from New York as well. So. Uh, Join us. This is going to be a celebration. This is going to be something special. Um, and it's something that we have uh, been working on for a while. I kind of wanted to wait a little bit. I know a lot of people kind of tend to have, um, you know, kind of, I don't know, fatigue when it comes to, to, to tributes. And when, and I it took me just all summer of just feeling dazed uh, about it. And I'm finally coming into the light a little bit, but uh, I just still feel like I'm 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 kind of walking with a limp here. Um, I originally had envisioned this to be as listeners, as you know, the show. I usually have a co-host, and um, my my original vision for this was actually to have my mom and sister here, and I'll explain why here in a little bit. 
uh, it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things that that you could never prepare for and never truly recover from. And uh, but what we aim to do here again is to do something unique, something different, something by the people, for the people. Some people that spent some time with him, people that knew him intimately. We're going to play some music. Uh, we're going to tell some stories. You know, we're going to try to have. You know, I, fun sounds like a um, kind of a of a betrayal, but uh, that's you know we're going to have. It's going to be a celebration. Uh, he was the original rebel. You know what I mean and. And uh, that spirit is going to to continue. And I think that uh, even if you only show the show a couple of times or or we're aware of it, I think that uh, we have something for you here. Uh, so stick around and join uh, and hang out with us here. Uh, we're going to be um, going through his entire uh, career. We're going to be talking uh, again with people that, uh, that knew him intimately. We're going to be uh, playing some music that you may not be familiar with. And, um, and maybe you will be going forth. So anyway, we're glad that you're here. You know, I mentioned my, uh, my mom uh, and my sister and as being potential co-host. And, uh, and again, the reason why they're not here, uh, they, they, they claim lack of, uh, or scheduling conflicts or whatever, but I, I know that, uh, them well enough to know that it was just too emotional and just too hard. And I, and I, I don't, we won't begrudge them for that. Um, I think my sister was maybe up for it more than my mom, but, uh, uh, my mom can't even talk about it um, at all, and it's uh, it's such a unique thing because she uh, is the one that turned me on to the show and his writing. And how how did she do that? How did my my mother get to this this punk rocker, crazy rebellious chef, storytelling just badass before me? <laughs> you know, but I'm so glad that she did. Um, like I said, most of us, when we woke up on June 8th, we just felt like we'd been kicked in the gut in a way that uh, it was just unthinkable. Someone that just seemed to be uh, invincible and unstoppable. Uh, and my first thought was to call her because um, I knew how devastated she would be. Um, it's almost like I had to call her to tell her that, like, uh, like yeah, I don't know. Like, my mom was so in love with this man because she, he embodied everything that... Uh, that uh, that she you know loved and uh, and represented and so and our memories are of you know where the 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 tie that binds us is it I would go over to her house every Sunday just so that we could watch the show and and uh, you know I'm so grateful to Tony for just for that all by by itself is that uh, I would go over and we would make, you know, I'd make food and we, you know, we kind of felt like, uh, you know, I like to cook anyway and I'm, and I'm, I'm pretty good at it, but I, uh, you know, it was always seemed to kind of pale in comparison to what we were seeing on the screen, you know, um, I love what she was here to kind of, kind of offer some insight to that. But, uh, anyway, we were just so blown away and we would make this big food. So it was kind of like show as event. You know, it was just kind of like you were watching the, um, like when people get together in gatherings to watch, you know, like award shows or, or sporting events or things. And so we would get together and we'd make some food and uh, we'd sit down and we'd watch the show. And, uh, or sometimes if I was on the road or something and, uh, couldn't make it, it was always fun to come over, maybe, maybe binge a few episodes in a row. But the episodes were so intense. Uh, that not that we didn't love it. It was just that sometimes we may not have been just ready, <laughs> uh, because we always felt like at the end, uh, we had been on some adventure. Like we'd, we had, we had gone there with him 
And the minute the episode would be over, we would be in kind of stunned silence. And usually we had, had DVR'd it, so we would hit, I'd hit pause. And I'd look over at her and I would say, simply, thoughts on that? And she would gather herself and then tell me. And then we would have this great, thought-provoking, liberating conversation that might have been as long, if even longer, than the actual episode. Uh, and that's what he did, man. That's what Tony Bourdain is, you know, was, is, and will always be in my mind is this person that, that went there. He put in the miles. He represented kind of the best in all of us, that it was, you know, you've been told your whole life not don't go here or it's not safe to go here and there and he went there and said check it out man and i felt like i I, i've had all these great adventures um just by you know vicariously and uh and you know and this unparalleled kind of sense of respect uh that he enjoyed because of his fearlessness and his this very no bullshit uh kind of uh, demeanor uh, that also brought along, you know, this kind of punk rock ethos and this work ethic that was impossible to ignore and uh, possible, impossible not to admire. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, if you or someone you know is is even remotely considering doing anything, uh, you know, harmful or final, uh, help is available. Please call one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Uh, you can speak with somebody right now. You can text, just text the word start to uh, 741, 741. Uh, you can text messages with the crisis text line. Uh, I'm also proud to announce that we've got Sarah Allen, um, who is a an amazing person. She is a uh, lobbyist who is lobbying at the legislative level uh, for mental health awareness uh, here in the state of Texas. And uh, we're very proud and, and honored to, to welcome her to the program. And uh, she is amazing and doing some great work. Um, and I'm I'm excited to tell the story about how I even discovered the work that she that you know that, that she's currently doing. But uh, you're going to hear that throughout. You're going to hear all types of uh, periodically, you know, any and all outlets. I at first was kind of a bit leery. I was kind of like, you know, who exactly are we sending these people to call? And uh, it, se- it seems kind of cold at first to me, or you know, this kind of this here's this one quick solution of just calling some number. Uh, but I have done an, but after actually knowing something about it and doing my research, I've learned that, uh, that, uh, this is absolutely a, a great resource and, uh, and, um, I'm so glad that, that they're there. And so again, if you, or you know, someone who is again, struggling with anything, please call 1-800-273-8255, uh, to speak with someone, or you can just text start and uh, and somebody will will get right back to you. It's text start to seven four one seven four one, and that's the crisis text line. You know, one thing I admired so much about Tony was just he seemed to kind of embody the the uh, you know getting better with age. Uh, we're talking about somebody who was just hitting it hard throughout his twenties, and you know in New York City and kind of in the belly of the beast there. Uh, you know, kind of outrunning the IRS all through his thirties. I think he said to him he didn't even have a, a bank account till he was like in his 40s. Uh, and by the time he's in his 50s, you know, he's got a friendship with the president. So, and the president I'm talking about, of course, is Obama. Um, you know, it's just, it's just crazy to see that this person even, even existed. It was on television because he made some of the best television in the history of television. Uh, 
it created something that was just so unforgettable that, um, you know, again, that's why it just seems so un- unthinkable that, uh, that this, this ride, at least this part of the ride is now over. Um, you know, him, you know, going through all that, but he didn't, you know, it was just so great to see kind of, kind of the, 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 the weathered battles that he had, he had gone through. He had those constant reminders of, of hard, bold years. You know, he had those sculpted creases in his face and kind of had that kind of outlaw kind of feel. He was kind of like Iggy Pop or something, you know, and, uh, or, or just kind of anybody that kind of survived New York City through, you know, kind of more of its, its wilder time and, you know, in the 70s. And, um, but he never seemed old. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he was eternally inspiring and, and, and maybe kind of have that kind of father figure thing. But this, this, this genuine admiration for young people that just served him so perfectly. And there was just something so righteous. Uh, you know, I mean, I know hipsters. I know how he, he despised hipsters, even though uh, a core bit of his audience uh, kind of kind of became that. Uh, but, uh, you know, but it was impossible in this day and age where it's almost impossible to believe in anything or things that you once liked and our innocence is all gone. Here was somebody that inspired absolute unconditional uh, just support as a believer. You you know, the ethics he projected, uh, you know, he had this, this very transformative power of, of, of for food. Those who made it, um, how subversive eating is, uh, just kind of that connective thing that when you sit down for a meal with somebody and you're sitting across from them, uh, that's kind of the universal language, isn't it? Uh, kind of becomes this kind of this kind of connective uh, tissue uh, in this great cultural web of politics and art, and, it, and the whole thing was beautiful. And he wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. Uh, I really think that that's that's what spoke the most to me. And uh, you know, I'm definitely gonna 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 miss being a part of that ride each week. Um, I also miss mentioned my sister Nikki because somehow I think she had gotten a hold of like Kitchen Confidential or something and and told my mom about it and and uh, and so he had done a few tours uh, and we had gone to see him a couple of times and and we all went together and uh, one of those times I can remember uh, in Texas was it was the first time that the Texas Rangers the baseball team was uh, in the postseason and uh, or really in the postseason I should say and they were had a bid for uh, to win their first pennant uh, and I had to record the game and it was a uh, it was game five venue called the Majestic Theater and for this great 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 uh, show we just would never ever forget it how just how captivating he was in person and and just what a good time that was it was a language that we spoke between us and so that's why I want to offer you like you know a people's history of this and uh, this past Sunday uh the 23rd of September uh probably tuned in and saw what will be the final of the final season uh of his show Parts Unknown uh Kamu Bell and uh, I did learn that it's the um it's the only episode uh, in this this twelfth and final season uh, that features, uh, of course, his trademark voiceover. Uh, while filming uh, concluded on a few other a handful of other episodes, he didn't actually finish post production work on any of the other episodes, other than this one. And I watched it, and uh, God, hearing his voice again was simultaneously heartbreaking and refreshing. 
you know, it was like it was so good to to hear his voice again, but it was it was hard. That was something else. Like I said, I, I don't think my mom. She said that she probably won't even be able to watch it it ever again. Uh, I know she'll come around, and uh, and I hope that she does. But I, I understand that, and we'll be right back with uh, with Sarah Allen. Tony has made some of the best television in the history of television. Some of the most compelling, smartest. I really felt like a passenger and just wanted to like be present for it and I didn't want to suck. That's that was my overwhelming feeling was like don't screw up his show. Everybody who had dreams of traveling with Tony, it's exactly as cool as you think it is. There's a mischievous curiosity tucked away in some poisonous part of my brain that's dying to see how Kamal handles the heat, the spice, the crowds, the overwhelming rush of a whole new world. Okay. <laughs> Nairobi is super like Technicolor. And so it's a lot to take in. It's one of those things about his show that he did amazingly. It was a place that nobody would go to who didn't live in that town. The idea that I'm sitting here with you doing this now, knowing where my life and career have come, it's pretty cool. 17 years. As soon as the cameras turn off, and like the crew will be will be sitting around, we having a cocktail. He wasn't Whoa. making TV for TV's sake. He wasn't just doing a job. This was his life's work. Wow. You know, if Tony was still alive, I would just have him here to help me process it. The greater context of the show and the reality and the fact that Tony's gone makes that like, it's like a, it's like a punch in the gut. That he brings my name into that, I feel a tremendous responsibility to learn the lessons that I learned when I was with him, to deepen the work that I'm doing, and to prove him right to want me to be on an episode of Parts Unknown. Texas Association uh, Area Director for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. This is Sarah Allen. On August 14th, um, our president signed HR 2345. Um, he, he, he signed the bill um, into action. Um, so this law is ultimately going to make it easier for Americans to access free and confidential emotional support whether they're in suicidal or emotional distress. Um, we did this with uh, Senators Orrin Hatch in Utah, Joe Donnelly in Indiana, um, as well as Representative Stewart in Utah, and our own Eddie Bernice Johnson here um, in Texas. Um, so because of these senators, but more so just the advocacy efforts of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, we were, we were able to get this legislation passed. Um, just to give you a little bit of um, background on it, the, this legislation is going to mandate a study to evaluate the feasibility of designing a three-digit code for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, okay. um, similar to the 911. So it would take that 1-800-273-TALK number and make it um, condensed down into an easy-to-remember, easy-to-access three-digit code. Um, it'll also evaluate the effectiveness of the current National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, um, including how well it addresses the needs of veterans. Um, the FCC will be required to submit a report to Congress, um, including a recommended dialing code, a cost-benefit analysis, and all of that. Um, so now that it was passed, it's going to lead to some 
really groundbreaking, amazing, life-saving measures um, in our country. That is going to be a three-digit code that so we can even can make it easy. The beauty of both the lifeline and the crisis text line that you mentioned, that texting um, start to 741-741, both of those lines, you can reach out to them even if you're concerned about someone else. So even if you're not in crisis, maybe a friend, a family member, someone you know, you're concerned about them, you can reach out to those resources and they can help you, whether it be find resources in your um, in your area to take those people to, or even how to navigate the conversation of asking someone about their mental health. Well, you know, that that's a, that's a great asset as well, because, you know, a lot of times people, they don't know even where to begin, because even if you're not the person in need, uh, it's sad that this is on such on the rise that Everybody, including myself, knows somebody that I'm worried about, that I'm concerned about. And and as much as I can educate myself on how to talk to them, some people may not even know how to begin that process or would, wouldn't even know how to begin getting information to begin that process. Exactly. So I think that I think that's a great thing too because and then you know when people think well what do I do do I reach out to somebody and do and I think that what they might think might happen is some sort of tough love thing or some sort of intervention or something that might get the person in trouble or, or embarrass them in some way and so that can be overwhelming as well correct Yeah so I one thing that I can't stress enough is uh, you know, a lot of times, no matter what it is, when people are worried about someone, when they're concerned about someone, you know, we tend to talk about it within our circle, but we have so much apprehension about actually connecting to the person that we're concerned about and asking them, you know, just straight up, are you okay? Right. Um, and I can't tell you enough, I can't express enough how important it is just to reach out to that person. There's a couple of things to note. One, even if that person's not in suicidal crisis, even if suicide wasn't something that they were thinking about, a lot of times someone can be so moved and so touched that you were that concerned about them that they may open up to you about some other things that they've been going through, some other issues that they're dealing with, um, and they can feel comforted, comforted to know that you cared about them so deeply to ask that question. And the other thing that I want to mention is Research has shown that asking someone, are you thinking about suicide, will not give them the idea. So if someone wasn't thinking about suicide and you directly ask them if they are, it's not going to plant the idea. Um, you're not going to make them then think about it. Um, research has shown that just directly asking someone that question is both the most effective way to kind of start that conversation and just be real about it. Um, but then also it's, it's still being a safe space. You're not going to maybe encourage someone to then take that route if they weren't already thinking it. Yep. Exactly. And, and by starting that conversation, it can lead to um, multiple other actions that you can take to then keep that person safe. Um, we could, we could save a high percentage of, um, people from dying by suicide just by limiting their access to means. So if you reach out to someone and ask if they're okay and they confide in you that no, they're not okay, then you're able to take proper steps of, you know, limiting access to lethal means. And by lethal means, I mean ways of killing oneself. So whether that be a firearm or prescription medications or other things, 
Um, you can connect them with local resources such as the Suicide Prevention Lifeline or um, AFSP.org, mental health resources, a counselor, things like that. You can continue to follow up with them. You can stay with them. If you're, if you're worried about an imminent um, attempt, you can stay with them and not leave them alone. So I really, again, can't stress enough whether you're worried about someone's just general mental health or think that they may be contemplating suicide, start the conversation so then you can help that person develop a recovery plan. Absolutely. Um, because you never know, you know, just by asking that one question, you really, you honestly could be saving their life. And that's so important to note as well. And, you know, and and also let's let's talk almost about just kind of the social aspect of right now i mean in the in the way that it should can you talk a little bit about that and some tips that you would have for people that may already uh guilty about not being informed or or being part of the conversation yeah um it's it's not uncommon for um things that you hear about just in everyday news to um, trigger some harsh feelings. Um, a lot of times you get that from people who were victims of uh, sexual assault, child abuse, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, there's a lot of times where things that you're either hearing on the news or just out in the community can be triggering to you. The best thing that I can tell you to do is um, a recovery plan is for it's for anyone who's dealing with any of those things, not just someone who's suicidal. And everyone's plan is different. What may work for me could work, could, might not work for you. Um, it, medication, psychotherapies, there's all different kinds of ways to, um, to have a treatment plan. Um, it, mental health is just as important as physical health. So getting connected to a mental health provider who can help navigate those things um, outside of that, just having a really good connection to someone where if, you know, you flip on the news and you hear something and it may be a little bit triggering to you, where you, someone that you feel comfortable enough to call up and just say, you know, hey, I'm going through a rough time. You want to, you know, come over, like have dinner together, watch a movie. I just don't want to be alone or can we talk about this? Um, having a really tight knit community. Um, you can also, as you mentioned, dial that number, um, text that line, 741-741, even if you're just in emotional distress. It doesn't necessarily have to be just suicidal crisis, but being able to be keyed into your own feelings and emotions and being able to recognize when you just need to take a step back. Seeking support is absolutely a sign of strength. It's yes. never anything that you should feel weak about. Um, so, so just understand that Finding what triggers you, finding, um, you know, knowing how to best help yourself is... is To be able to offer people that balance that there's a way to be able to be informed, but you have to protect you first and take care of you first and i love the ways that you have listed to be able to do that uh without having to feel like an outsider and prioritizing your yourself but also it's everyone else's responsibility to watch out for every, you know the people around you um it takes a village for more than just raising kids it takes a village to just to make our way through life um so talking to people watching for different behaviors um, just any, you know, if you see someone and maybe it's just a little bit off, um, if you know that someone struggles with something, um, in particular, 
uh, say they're a victim of sexual assault, and then they and then they know that um, there's a current news story that's being highly publicized, reaching out to that person and just making sure that they're okay and taking that time to start a conversation and connecting with that person to make them feel cared about, loved, and wanted. Um, it's not only going to help the person that you're worried about, but it's going to help you too by building that community and strengthening your relationship. Absolutely. Now, and outstanding. I, um, can you tell our listeners, um, also, um, you know, if they just something that they want to get involved with, I mean, if they want to volunteer, um, how can they further your efforts? If you're in the North Texas area, I would encourage you to come to our out of the darkness walk, um, in Dallas on October 27th. Um, you can find information about that event at AFSP.org slash DFW. We also have one in Fort Worth. It's the best way to kind of start getting involved, whether you've been touched by the cause or not, um, to be able to see how large our community is and how passionately everyone just kind of loves one another in our community. Um, if you're not in North Texas, we have over 400 walks all across the country, that, and you can find one near you at AFSP.org slash walks. Um, we... I have volunteers from every walks of life. I have volunteers who have never been affected by suicide. I have volunteers who have lost someone to suicide. I have volunteers who know someone who have attempted, and I have volunteers who have attempted themselves. Um, we not only do the legislation, the legislation activity um, by advocating, we also do loss and healing um, for those who have lost someone to suicide, including our survivor outreach program, which is peer-to-peer -peer support. Um, we also do research. Um, we fund research. We have local research connections that you can get involved with, either um, helping organize those or coming and listening to a researcher and what they found on their suicide prevention um, research or their mental health research. And then we also do... Um, or suicide prevention education. We we always need people to come and be trained on how to give our programs, such as Talk Saves Lives, which is a quick 30-minute to an hour program. Um, I tend to give at least one a week. Um, we have More Than Sad, which is for schools. It's Real, which is for college. Lots of different programs that we give out into the community, and we're always looking for people who um, can get trained on those and give those in the community because it's with these programs and with our efforts that um, we're hoping to reduce the rate of suicide 20% by year 2025. So it's all hands on deck. We need um, as much help as possible. So if you're interested in any of those, um, you can visit our website, AFSP.org slash North Texas, and you can find my contact information um, at the bottom, and you're welcome to um, email me, and I can get you connected. Outstanding. Sarah, I can't thank you enough for joining us and for providing all this invaluable information. Again, the work that you're doing is so invaluable, uh, not only to this community, something that you have to learn. Uh, just even doing this episode, like I said, I, you know, the information that you gave me and the research that I did and, uh, and some things that I had to do just in order to be able to want to be able to uh, report on this properly and, uh, and be a part of this and, and to be um, something that moves this thing forward. Um, that creates real change uh, and really af affects real lives. So 
Uh, and also, uh, can you tell us also very quickly about the social media aspect? Um, work, where is your organization and you are on the interwebs? Sure. So we, um, I've given you our website. We're also on Facebook. Um, it's facebook.com slash AFSP North Texas. We're on Instagram, AFSP NTX, and Twitter, AFSP North Texas. Um, we promote our events, um, self-care, uh, share suicide prevention knowledge and resource. We'd love to have you connect with us that way as well. And remind everybody one last time that the Out of the Darkness Walk is coming up on October 27th? It's October 27th at Addison Circle Park in Dallas. If you're in the Fort Worth area, that's August or um, October 13th at the Acme Brick headquarters. Out. And again, you can find more information about those walks at afsp.org slash dfw. Outstanding. Get out to one of these walks. Let's bring these people out of the darkness, into the light. Educate yourself. Um, again, because you know you, ne- you never know what people are going through. And wouldn't it be such a great thing that you'd be able to help them? Uh, and just having that as a, as a skill and as a resource uh, if needed uh, and when needed. And just all around just to kind of d- 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 to help people and to help yourself. Uh, again, Sarah Allen, thank you again so much uh, for joining us. And uh, of course, and then again, outstanding with the work that you're doing. I I admire you and I admire this, this program and I'm proud to be a part of it. Thank you so much. Thanks for giving us this forum to speak about what we do. Again, I want to thank Sarah Allen uh, for joining us. I wanted to mention another organization called uh, Given Hour. It's actually free mental health services for the military uh, and other populations. Uh, It's the backbone organization of uh, Signs for Change. Um, and uh, check out their hashtag change mental health uh, and give them uh, give them some of your time give them some of your support um, if you can volunteer just look into them and uh, called Huntress uh, their singer uh, great powerful just striking uh, metal band a girl named Jill Janice um, unfortunately she lost her battle um, with depression um, Listeners of the show know that I've, I'm very involved with professional wrestling, especially in the Texas area. One of our favorite wrestlers uh, and a good friend of ours is a guy named, that wrestles under the name Jackson Stone. Uh, unfortunately, he lost his sister uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, another great activist uh, is uh, is a woman named, named Femin is uh, from from Femin uh, co-founder. Uh, she's this uh, this militant uh, for actually for r- r- women's rights, including uh, the ability to uh, to go topless uh, uh, in owning a woman's body. Uh, she's part of the gotopless.org. Um, unfortunately, she took her life uh, a few weeks ago in Paris. Uh, her activism um, has made such an indelible mark on women's rights and and really, really caught us by surprise and, and total shock was actually somebody that we actually were speaking with. Uh, anybody who knows me, uh, any listener of this show knows that uh, that uh, Prince is my um, religion, uh, my all-consuming um, power and strength and my greatest inspiration. And we've done many, many episodes uh, honoring that and honoring him. And most recently, uh, we actually did a, a 60th birthday party uh, and uh, with Ingrid Chavez, who was so great. And she was the, remember, she was a love interest in Graffiti Bridge, and she opens the, the Love Sexy record and all that. Well, one of the people that we had invited uh, to be a part of that episode uh, is a journalist uh, uh, named Rachel Chazen. And... Uh, 
we were talking with her about having her come on, you know, to be a, to be a part of it. Because if you weren't aware, she uh, and taught him about Spotify. Uh, she was invited uh, to these. Uh, Prince was very, very forward thinking, and uh, he would have these think tanks where he would invite young people um, to kind of be dialed in uh, out to Paisley Park, and she was one of them. And he was trying to uh, think of uh, more creative ideas of how to promote a new protege he had, and and to do it in a very you know non traditional way, or or just in a more of a you know, current uh, kind of thing. And everybody was eager to make suggestions, but they were all kind of dialed in more to uh, the past. And Rachel spoke up and said, well, really the best way for young people to discover music is Spotify, uh, which you can hear this very show on. Nice plug there. Um, And he didn't know what it was. And the room gasped. And so I thought that was such a unique thing. And I wanted to have her on and and talk about it. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we've got the news that uh, that she uh, had lost her battle. And, you know, it just, oh, I couldn't believe it. Uh, it just goes to show you that uh, you never know what someone's going through. Uh, Rachel was gorgeous, talented, uh, had it all. You think, oh, you know, you think you know what depression looks like or or why somebody would be upset about something or, and it doesn't, it, it, it takes, it, it has, it takes no shape. It takes, it does not discriminate. Um, and that's the thing here. And that's what we have to, to raise the awareness of, to try to help people and, and eliminate this as best as we can. Um, you know, and I'll tell you how this all ties in a little bit. Is that one of my favorite uh, uh, Tony quotes was that uh, you might remember earlier this year during the um, the royal wedding. Uh, one of my favorite uh, tweets uh, from Tony was that he said, "Yeah, call me a crank, or whatever about this royal wedding crap and everything else." And he said, "The only person that I ever felt comfortable referring to as royalty or calling prince." came from Minnesota. Uh, so I, I, I love that, uh, that nod to, uh, to the man there. Uh, and this is what I wanted to say to the people out there that are listening. Uh, and this is actually what I'm the song. The first song I'm going to play is actually my favorite Prince song. Um, uh, if I had to pick one, it would be this one. And I think it's perfect for this episode. This is from the album parade, which is the soundtrack to the movie under the cherry moon. Uh, this is a song life can be so nice.
And again, that's what we want to say to everybody that, that, that's listening. Uh, you know, again to to, to Jackson Stone and his family, uh, Jill Janice, uh, Rachel Chazen, uh, everybody around the world. Uh, Tony's family, his wife, his girl, his ex-wife, his girlfriend, his his daughter, everybody. Um, uh, we want to say uh, how sorry that we are, um, and do the best that we can to uh, you know to move on. Uh, I wanted to mention uh, a few other different people that are doing some great work as well. Uh, is we were talking about wrestling, talk about Jackson Stone. Is um, there's a wrestler named a- uh, April Mendez who wrestled as AJ Lee in the WWE, and um, and for my money, she was the best to do it, male or female, just unbelievably awesome, um, charismatic at a level that was so weapons grade and so unforgettable, so instantly. And she's got has had a, a great second act as an author. She uh, wrote a New York number uh, bestseller uh, called "Crazy Is My Superpower," which is basically about her struggle with mental health. And she's out speaking uh, all over the country, um, at you know, and doing some great work there to raise awareness to kind of remove that stigma. Um, very admire the work that she's doing, and much love and respect uh, uh, to AJ Lee, uh, April Mendez. Um, most recently, also, uh, also uh, Laura Dittis. She uh, wrestles uh, as Allie. She's on the on Impact Wrestling, and she you might remember her as Cherry Bomb from the from the promotion Shimmer out of Chicago. Uh, she recently tweeted, she says, having battled with depression since a teenager and having lost someone to suicide, I know how hard it is to ask for help, but telling someone how you feel can literally save, uh, can literally save you. Uh, she said it saved her. And uh, she offers up the National Suicide Prevention Line, which I'll share with you here as well. It's 1-800-273-8255. Uh, that's 1-800-273-8255. You know, I mentioned my, my sister um, and Prince. Uh, she's actually the one that turned me on to Prince. And so if you might have heard of some of our other episodes. Uh, she was a part of those. And I encourage you to uh, to check those out. Uh, and listen, I we have a lot of great stuff in our archives. Uh, you want to check out, go to Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. Go to iTunes and just type in Tricky Kid Radio. Click that subscribe button. You'll get shows just like this one each and every Thursday. Uh, we try to do a lot of good in the world, man. We try to bring you some great music, some great stories and just inspire you uh, to be a part of this. Uh, I joke a lot that the show would probably would be more successful if it was about one thing. Like People were like, well, what What the hell is Tricky Kid? What the, what the fuck is Tricky Kid Radio? Well, it's about fun. It's about love. It's about people. It's about food. It's about, it casts a very, very wide net. If this was called Roy's Fishing Hour and it was just about fishing and all we talked about was fishing and all my sponsors were fishing products, I probably would be more successful. Uh, so this is the sacrifice that I make for you <laughs> uh, to bring you uh, a very very wide uh, cast a very wide net uh, to bring you all the things that uh, that we love and, um, and 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 just like Tony try to try try to taste it all man um, but I mentioned my sister uh, because she almost actually felt guilty because uh, she said that she felt more because Prince is our thing man and she told me that she felt even more sad or more depressed, or, or it hit her harder than when Tony passed than when Prince did. And she felt guilty about it in a sense. I could, I could sense. Maybe she didn't actually say that, came out and say that, but I sensed it. And I wanted to comfort her and tell her that it was okay because as much as we love Prince and, you know, no one life, of course, is better than the others uh, or, or no less devastating when we lose them. Um, but 
you know, Tony was somebody who actually seemed like a friend. Someone I personally have met a couple of times. Of course, she never did. But uh, you know, Prince was something so untouchable and and um, humanizing would not be uh, an accurate description of him. And that's actually why we loved him for the same reasons why how human and how real uh, and just seemingly what a what a what a what a great friend, what a great guide um, Tony was, and in, in such a big part of our lives. And so. Uh, that connection there is uh, is kind of forever kind of intertwined for me. Because, you know, one thing you, you would take away whenever you would watch the shows is that, you know, it's like, is this about food or is this where, where you know, the actual location? But, you know, he was a great lover and a huge champion of music. and He was widely mourned by the music world uh, whenever he passed away. And, um, and I'll be sharing a lot of those throughout the episode. Uh, one that I, I liked a lot was that... Uh, uh, talking about Prince and one of the biggest Prince uh, uh, fans and, and scholars in the world, of course, is Amir Thompson, who goes by the stage name Questlove, and he's the drummer for The Roots and the band leader that's on Jimmy Fallon's uh, weekly show. And he always really puts a lot of thought into walk-on songs or, or just something that's not going to be so obvious. And uh, uh, the night of June 8th, uh, the episode... He, uh, when uh, the show started, uh, they played um, Billy Joel's uh, Anthony song, which you know that you know that everyone knows that song, of course. Uh, it's even funnier too because uh, uh, Bourdain famously hated Billy Joel, and he told um, his uh, he would tell his employees or people that would that were working underneath him uh, in the kitchen. Uh, number one, I'm not your friend. Uh, number two, uh, if you play. Uh, the Grateful Dead or Billy Joel, you will be fired. Uh, and I'm quite sure that uh, Questlove knew that. So that was a, you know, and I'm sure that nobody buddy would have loved that more than Tony. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you too. Um, uh, pay tribute at, uh, at a very special gig they did it up in uh, Harlem, uh, the Apollo. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. But uh Again, him being such a great champion of music. The one time that uh, one of the, one of two times that I actually met Tony was in uh, Austin, Texas, when he was there uh, filming for uh, during the the great South by Southwest festival that I have attended pretty much every year for almost twenty years, save for a couple ones whenever I was on on tour. Uh, and one of the great bands that was featured there is actually is one of my guests uh, this week. Uh, her name is Lauren Larson, and she is the guitar player and vocalist for the uh, Austin, Texas-based band Ume, who uh, is just everything that is right in this world about rock and roll. And if you've ever, if you know anything about Anthony Bourdain without even knowing him, uh, you could kind of see how he would, you know, immediately be drawn to this band. Uh, I know that I was, and I, I I'll tell in the uh, in this interview, um, actually how I came to 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 discover them in um, in New York, ironically when I when I lived there. Uh, she's so great, and I was so excited. Um, I almost kind of like. Um, was petitioning that I wasn't going to do the episode without Lauren's participation. So uh, I was so glad that she was able to do it. Uh, again, they were featured actually on the very, very, uh, the final episode of the old show, No Reservations, on their uh, the, their final season and final episode. Uh, it's one of my favorites, and, uh, and you'll see why. Uh, this is Lauren Larson uh, from Ume. Hey, thanks for having me. So I found your experience with that episode that we had mentioned and how that came about. Yeah, um, 
that, that, that was crazy. So um, we found out that, um, you know, Anthony Bourdain was going to be in Austin and that there was um, someone associated with the show, one of the producers that um, had sh- showed him our music and, um, you know, he, he, he was into it. And so they asked us if we wanted to be featured in the show. We said, yes, uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, and um, what was kind of crazy about that, that experience is he actually, you know, he, he came to see our band play. Um, I remember um, we were in a small dive bar, you know, on East Sixth Street called Hotel Vegas. Oh yeah, and of I'm, course. You know, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm sitting there playing and um, doing my thing, which is kind of being, you know, lost in the cathartic fury of, you know, loud guitars and screaming and you know whatever. And then all of a sudden, I kind of hear someone say, "Oh, Tony's here!" And um, it, in the corner, he was back there um, watching us watching us perform, which is pretty cool because you know he didn't come to see all the all the bands that were featured on that show um, that that episode and um, I remember his producer telling us you know that that, that was really fun I um, actually um, haven't seen him with a smile on his face that day for that long in a, in a long time <laughs> wow so so that that was really cool and that's when he had tweeted um, you know just saw you know adding my music at their Twitter and he said um, shitload of rock in, in a tiny little room and um, that helped us a lot <laughs> that, that one little tweet <laughs> um, and so then after that uh, we went to dinner with him later later that night well, that's yeah, yeah. That, that was always cool too, because um, you know we really weren't like the indie blog darlings. Right. We weren't the, the, you know we weren't we're not this band that's been super crazy with the critics. We're not we're not a huge band. We're a hardworking band who's been working for several years. We've we've grown a loyal fan base. We've gotten some great opportunities. You know, I'm grateful for everything. We're the kind of band where we're playing for you know five people or five hundred. You know, we do, we do the same thing. Right. And um, he gave us he gave us a chance. You know, I think kind of like you see him what he does even for, you know, for restaurants, he's not going to, you know, the three, four Michelin star restaurants, you know, he's going to places that are authentic and kind of, I think, you know, things he likes. Right. Right. Kind and, of that, um, that kind of that punk. I thought, I thought, yeah. Yeah. Um, I always think like kind of testament that, you know, he, he's not a snob. <laughs> he gave us a chance. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know, it was pretty, it was, it was, you know, we're just grateful for that. It was cool. Well, Cool. I lived, I grew up in Texas, uh, and actually I'm in Dallas actually right now, um, and I moved to New York in 2006, and I was there for about eight years, and uh, so growing up in the Fort Worth, Dallas area, I have a long, long um, friendship uh, with the band The Toadies, and yes. have known those guys for basically my entire adult life and and even and even before that <laughs> um yeah. so when they came to new york of course you know they called me and invited me to the show and, and i think they were playing with helmet and uh yeah. i got there early and you know to say hello to everybody and you know before they went on and and uh, it wasn't like you know somebody had told me you know like hey make sure you get there early now i'm sure they would have have given the, you know you guys the endorse <laughs> the endorsement for sure i just happened to get there early and i had no idea yeah. there was a third band on the bill or and i didn't know anything that about that was a really early show I yeah i think that was around you had to be there around 6:30 <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, it was it was still like daylight and uh, mm-hmm. very early and so i got there early and uh and you guys hadn't you guys weren't on, weren't on yet and and but a few very shortly after it i went to talk to todd for a little bit and i saw sean at the merch booth you know just kind of making the rounds of people yeah. i hadn't seen in a long time and and uh you guys started and it was like riding on the back of a fucking motorcycle i felt like my <laughs> hair was just 
and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And it was the, it was seriously one of the most rock and roll things, and it was so perfect that I had no preconceived notion. You know, it wasn't like, "Hey, you really got to." I always hate it when people go, oh, "Man, you got to see this shit," and it's like, yeah, yeah. I, I love just to walk in and just unexpectedly have it. You know, you like. Everything about it was everything I love about rock and roll. I mean, you, the way you cool, play guitar, you. my pleasure. And the, like, the it was just this wall of hair and fucking power, and just it was awesome. And so I haven't really, I haven't really. And so I was completely blown away. And I told everybody after the fact. And so, um, and I was, I even sent, I've sent a copy of Monuments to to Dave Ketching and some of the guys from uh, from from Queen to the Stone Age. Uh, for them to check it out and stuff because I was kind of, you know, talking about that for, that that show was a few years ago, so. Mm-hmm. And I think, so would you, when you guys were on that tour, give me a timeline for a second. When that show happened at uh, Webster Hall in New York City versus when you guys appeared uh, at South by Southwest, which one came first? Southwest um, happened first. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and then it, and then it aired. You know that that was March, and then it aired in September of that year. Oh, okay, okay. And so, I, but I yeah. think that show so, was and in then August. I think we went tour, and then right after that is when we started recording Monuments. Literally um, a month later. Wow. Okay. Okay. But yeah. Reason why I asked that is because one of the few times that I uh, met Tony was was at that when he was at South by Southwest, but I I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of, of you guys yet. Like I said, my int- so I was just wondering, like, man, did I miss out on like? Because <laughs> when I saw the episode, I was like, oh fuck, I could have seen, I could have seen yeah, it then yeah. too, you know. Um, yeah, um, you know, well, the, the producers had asked us, like, okay, you know, if you'd like to, you know, have dinner with y'all, you know, because I think one of the big things about Tony was sharing a meal with people, right? And that that's, you know, kind of a. I mean, it's a common denominator across humanity, eating, eating yes. together and how, how it, you know, levels are on an equal playing field. And I, um, I rem- so we had kind of given some recommendations for, for restaurants. And um, so we went to this place in Austin called Barley Swine. And uh, they said, you might want to have a couple of beers beforehand. So we said, yeah, of course, you know, loosen up a little bit. Right, right. And, um, you know, one of the first things that I always, I always think of is, I always think of myself as kind of an awkward conversationalist, you know, kind of shy. People are always taken by, like, are you the same person that was on stage? You know, that was one reason I was glad he saw the band, because you kind of see a different different side of it. Right. Live. And, um, I was in, we were into the studies. He was, you know, the best conversationalist that, that, I, that I ever encountered as far as making us feel comfortable, putting at ease. I remember, um, we started sharing beers together, um, and I think they gave us a higher alcohol content beer because, um, you know, beautiful and let's just say um, quite a few hours passed and we don't remember leaving. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, even, even though there's only about, you know, I don't know, five-ish minutes uh, of the meal on on, the, on TV, we, we talked for, for quite a few hours and uh, kind of left in a, you know, blackout drunk, drunken stupor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we ate, uh, I, th- I think my big, we, we were the first band that um, was on, on, on that episode and uh, yeah, I think there's a, my big, my big television debut is me saying, you know, he's chicken balls, you know, my Texas accent really comes out of crowd of you. All right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, we should put the book together. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because, like, like I said, I needed some Texas representation on this episode, man. <laughs> you know, this is, you're, you're delivering in spades here, so. 
Well, you know what's funny is that, you know, he was such a such a champion uh, of of music, and again, that same kind of that you know kind of comes from that you know that New York punk rock ethos, and so, and like you said, you know the the one common thing, the universal language is is food. We all sit down, we all have to eat. Sitting at all the episode, and I was like, yeah, if this is great, this is the band that should be on you know this show. Um, now, what did, you know, when you guys were talking back and forth, tell me something that maybe we didn't see. <laughs> um, Besides I the passing out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember one of the one of the questions, you know, kind of a neat question. Because, you know, we always have, we, we, it's interesting because, you know, we've always been kind of, I don't like the word, but, you know, foodies. Like, we like to find the interesting places to eat when we're on the road. Right. You know, I, I'm not just eating it on the fast. We like to find the, the local joint, the hole in the wall. We kind of share that common experience. Right. With, um, so, you know, well, where does the band like to eat whenever you can't go to, you know, the hole in the wall or the, or the place that's good? Yeah. You know, when we're on the road. and uh, So we had, we had a lengthy conversation about Cracker Barrel. I remember that. <laughs> we also talked about interesting places to take a shit. You know, we talked about toilets of the world. <laughs> <laughs> he had some really, really great stories about that. Um, a lot of, a lot about squatting toilets and um, our affinity for for those. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it ran the whole from, from you know, squatty potties to to cracker barrels. <laughs> It sounds like a, a gloriously fun time, and you know, uh, yeah. my background is also in the music industry, and I've I have done uh, a, a lot of touring in my life, and um, yeah. and so I I toured with uh with a with a band Ween for for many many years, cool. and yeah. uh, so we would we would have those same conversations about like you're afforded an opinion about squatty potties whenever you have put in the miles, you know. <laughs> It's it's not for everyone, and it's not something that everybody can relate to. But it's just so funny how, like, I have actually have a picture of Claude like urinating on the ATM machine outside of Emos um, in <laughs> Austin because yes. th- that nobody would let, let let us go in and went like, well, hey, this is this is the price you pay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably because you know, that's actually a famous urinal. There's, yeah. there's a lot of stories of uh, <laughs> that the infamous Emos urinal that they was probably good, you know. To not have to use it. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like the bathroom at CBGB's or something. It looks like there should be like police tape right. over it or something. You know, That's so, a picture of the bathroom of CBGB's in our bathroom, which is kind of funny. Hey, oh, see, so you know what it looks like, then see. So yes. that's so you know, and isn't that kind of cool that like, you know, he talk about putting in the miles. I loved how he went to all these places and kind of fearlessly and to kind of show you like that the world is such a not only a vast place but you don't have to be afraid of these places you know right exactly and in kind of making the world smaller you know you you hear all this like oh you shouldn't go here and you shouldn't go there and he's like well yeah you absolutely should should go there and he kind of went there kind of for us you know and mm-hmm. uh, and so because of that you know uh, now whenever he the producers contacted you guys obviously you know, there was an opportunity there. Obviously, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be cool. But tell me a little bit about how aware you were. Were you guys fans of the show? Was it something that you guys watched religiously? What, I mean, what kind of, what kind of, where were you on about him around that time? Yeah, um, you know, to be honest, you know, Eric and I really didn't watch, don't watch much TV. Yeah. But we, we weren't, you know, people who watched the show, um, 
content we have since then, you know. Um, I was familiar with Kitchen Confidential. I was familiar with him, you know, um, as a chef and as a voice and knew, you know, what he did and, and what he loved. And um, I knew this was a guy that was down to earth, wanted to share a beer with you, um, you know, and talk about food and um, kind of, you know, his love for life. And uh, it was cool to be like, oh, we have a chance to share this with him? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Let's do this. And actually, we, we were on tour. I think we were... And actually, it was probably that tour that you saw. I think we were in San Francisco whenever I had heard the, the news that we were going to be um, be on the show. And so, yeah. when, so, so did you? I mean, I'm, obviously, you guys like jumped like ten feet in the air when that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you jumped into the Bay Area. You jumped. You jumped <laughs> off the Golden Gate Bridge, right? <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> so, now, tell me again how how do you think that he, the producers came up uh, like? came to know your music because like you said instead of being like one of those kind of like you know those bands that the the blogs kind of tend to kind of create the buzz about and all that kind of bullshit yeah. you guys were on the outside of that so so either somebody in his camp has a pretty cool bullshit you know you know filter there to get to the real shit or how, how'd that happen yeah you know i'm really not sure but i do know we are a band that had already at that time toured hundreds of dates, you know, from tours that we, you know, self-booked to, um, you know, opening for other bands. And in one thing, you know, you you work hard. I think, you know, certain people did, did know our name. And so, you know, the music made it made it through the grapevine somehow, right. which, which is really cool. You know, even though we weren't big, we, we were still working our asses off and, uh, you know, trying to, trying to get our music out there and, and playing. So, um, you know, we've been through California several times and... Um, you know, someone, someone got it, <laughs> yeah. which is really awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, I always believe that the cream rises to the top and like, and you guys were just so insanely fucking good that like, cool, I, if anybody saw it, like, just like me, just <laughs> without even trying, they, you know, I mean, that's what, I mean, no offense to the other two bands, but you know, obviously I've seen the toadies, you know, literally a hundred times, but you know, that's what I remember from that show. I don't remember helmet. I don't remember cool. the toadies. I just remember the, how completely blown away I was by that, and and that hadn't happened in a long time, also for me. So I was like, well, man, thank you, yeah. it's like fucking Texas in the house. All right, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, so you know, one of the hardest things that it is to, you know, what we're talking about here, one of the hardest things that it's to digest it. It's it's literally it just feels unacceptable. You know, I mean, we we all know that you know, that people are going to die and, and, you know, it's going to be, people are going to pass and all that. But it's just like this road warrior, this just, like you said, lover of life who had it all, you know, but you, it also goes to show you, you don't really know what people are going through, you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And we wanted to, uh, you know, to anybody that's out there, uh, you know, listening or suffering or anything like that, we, you know, we want to and you always encourage them and inspire them to, you know, to get whatever kind of help that they need or, or just to reach out to people. And, and that's, what's so hard because he, you know, so many people looked up to him and kind of, you know, you always kind of tend to kind of get in that trap of comparing your life to somebody else's life. And here was somebody mm -hmm. who had probably, I can't imagine anybody not viewing his life as not like, you know, the dream. I mean, that's literally what right, you would right. want getting paid to, you know, to travel and, and, and drink and, and said this is someone that, seems to be living li living the dream but it also I think it just reminded reminded me of 
that this is a sickness, but and, and we don't know who who it will strike. We don't know who might be struggling. And um, it was uh, it it made me. I mean, extremely grateful to have shared an afternoon and an evening with him. Yeah. But it also, um, I mean, it, it was heartbreaking, and I I, I remember. Um, I didn't want to immediately just post something about, you know, I feel like the loss everyone kind of, you know, wants to share. Oh, here's my experience. But I immediately posted a a hotline um, for anyone that might need help to talk to someone. I just I had a strong urgency, like we need to we need to do more for mental health. That's right. That was the very first thing that kind of kind of struck me because it goes, this was a shock. Yeah. At least to those of us that didn't know him, you know, you know, as 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 well as others. You know, I just might have known he struggled, but to the outside world, I was like, wow, this, this is a shock. Well, yeah, he seems just like this just giant, this, you know, knew him and, and intimately and spent time with him um, for a long time. But I also, you know, your perspective is equally uh, not only valuable, maybe even, even more so because you were able to kind of get that snapshot uh, of him and spend time with him in his natural habitat, doing what he loved doing uh, and being chosen to do so. So I I feel like that um, that's why it was so, um, you know, uh, adamant about having you guys on, uh, you know, being, being a part of this. So I'm I'm grateful that you're here. I also want to play some music and, uh, so talk to me a little bit about Ume um, as of right now. Like what's what's happening with the band? What's new music? Any touring plans? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we, um, you know, we had been on a bit of a hiatus for a few years. Um, you know, Eric and I welcomed our daughter into the world in uh, 2015. Congra- um, congratulations. So, so thanks. It was a little bit of a, a break and a different you know, different way of life for a little bit. But during that time, I wrote a record, and we actually just released um, a new record in, in July, um, a couple months ago, called oh. Other Nature. And um, it's a little bit of a different type of project. It's kind of written by me alone. It's um, a little bit of a different um, sound. still rocking, but it was it was more of an intimate and personal and transformative record for me. Um, and so we actually just wrapped up a tour this summer with the band The Sword. Um, we did... We were gone about a month. Um, oh, nice! I love those guys. Rockish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they were amazing, and um, just kind of that was too their last national tour, and we were you know grateful to share that with them. So we just wrapped that up, and uh, next show actually is is with the Toadies, which is pretty cool. I'm at, at Stubbs here in Austin. That'll oh. be in October. So there you go. See, we, we, we've come yeah. full circle. <laughs> we've come full circle. Yes. Yeah. So I heard that the sword on a very personal record, and obviously you have become a parent. I became a. Um, me and my wife became a uh, became parents uh, forty seven days ago. Oh wow! <laughs> you're still yeah, you're still living day by day. So I know. Yes. I know that, that phase. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's wonderful, and I'm 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 so grateful yeah. for it. And I um so obviously I've I've we, so we both have kind of gone through something kind of transformative. Uh, um, so I wanted to ask you: Would is there something that you would like? I'm going to let you pick. Is there something off the, the the most recent record that you'd like for me to play that you think that would be fitting and special um, for this episode? I mean, it was an exercise in mental health for myself. You yeah. know kind of recovering myself and um, found my voice when I was really kind of not, not in such a, such a good place, you know, it, and so um, 
I always say this is my own exercise in mental health, so um, I'm trying to think of what would be a good song for this. Uh, Crush, the opening song on the record, um, you know, that, that's a love song to my daughter. That's uh, also kind of a love song to, to myself and to Eric and I kind of to, uh, remember why we started making music, you know, not letting go of that uh, childhood dream of, you know, that when we were kids, you know, in the front row of the Fugazi concert, going to, you know, punk rock DIY shows. Right. So, uh, no, that might, that might be it. Okay. Happen, but, uh, feel free to play, you know, anything anything you like. <laughs> no, I love that. I, I, but I, I wanted to hear it. I wanted to have it come from you. I, I wanted this to be almost cool. kind of like if you had the chance to make a dedication to Tony, I wanted to, to offer you that, you know, that, that platform yeah, yeah. to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it starts with this words, you know, do not grow up. And I think Tony was, uh, you know, working on that as much as all of us are. <laughs>
needs to be done. You know, Texas um, spends one of the least amount of money of every state on mental illness, on mental health. That's right. Um, you know, and that's why I'm glad to see even things like this is bringing awareness to it, saying, you know, well, we, we've got to do more. There's even more resources out there for people who... Um, no, I'm, I'm just honored to be a part of this episode. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for paying tribute to... Um, Tony in a really, um, you know, awesome and sincere um, way that I think honors, you know, the true essence of his, you know, you know, punk rock awesomeness. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm grateful to be here. Thank you. Well, of course, and and, and thank you. And like I said, you are definitely a, a, a big, big, major part of, of that. And and when I had the idea for the show, that was it was the, one of the first things that I thought of so and I was like I was always I kept kind of delaying it. I was like man I'm not I'm not doing this episode until I get her on the phone so Great. cool uh, thank you I'm glad I was able to make it absolutely uh, so tell tell our listeners uh, where they can they can find you guys and, and kind of look for you guys and get your music and maybe see you in, in, in concert yeah so the band's name is Ume and that's spelled U-M-E um, so um, U-M-E music that's our um website that's our, our twitter facebook instagram you know ume music okay perfect and they can they can just uh and you guys request on every um every social media platform and we'll also have links on our website so that uh people can just click yeah. on it and it'll it'll kind of kind of lead to it and everything else but uh uh lauren again uh so grateful to have you uh again so look and i'm looking forward to now i now i i have a whole ume record to listen to today so uh that's yeah, going to awesome. be <laughs> that's going to be awesome and i hope to see you guys uh do it live again soon oh, you guys, yes. Thanks so much again to, to Lauren Larson from Ume. What a great band. Uh, she's so awesome and was so happy that she was able to join us for this special episode. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and we'll be back with Dave Ketching. Uh, before I do, I wanted to get to some uh, some of our sponsors and some people to kind of keep this uh, keep this place rolling here. Uh, number one, and also mention some appearances. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is it will be at the, the New York City Comic Con this weekend. That's going to be a, a great time there. Uh, we're going to be doing Tricky Kid Radio live from the floor there uh, in uh, downtown Manhattan, um, the J. Javits Center. Uh, and speaking of that sort of thing, if uh, back in Dallas, we'll be at the, uh, the Dallas Fan Days, um, October 19th to the 21st. Uh, and also uh, the following weekend, the October 13th, um, there's going to be a great event for involving the Texas Film Commission. They're having uh, their annual award show out at the uh, South Fork Ranch, where you know where, of course, the famous show Dallas was filmed. And they're actually going to be honoring some old cast members, including Charlene Tilton, who played Lucy Ewing. And um, it's going to be a great, 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 great time. The entire area and the entire community of the Texas uh, uh, film community is going to be there uh, honoring uh, some great um, recipients. Uh, it's going down October the 13th at South Fork Ranch. Go and get your tickets now by going to TXMPA.com. That's TXMPA.com. Uh, also, we will be at... Well, actually, I think that's it for now. No. Um, also, uh, <clears throat> Support for Tricky Kid Radio uh, is generally provided from some three of our great sponsors right now. Um, Infamil, who is, of course, the, the formula for uh, newborns. Uh, you, you all know, and thank you for listening, that um, our listeners know that uh, my wife and I just had uh, our first child about two months ago. 
And we thank everybody for writing in and asking how Miles is doing. And we appreciate that. And um, what we started to do is mix. Um, she was breastfeeding. Uh, now we're using also using Infamil. Uh, they have a great thing called uh, Neuropro. It's a gentle lease uh, formula. It's fantastic. And uh, we're proud to, to endorse that uh, for our son, Miles. Also, Personas Audio. The stuff that you're hearing right now is generously provided from Personas. Um, they have a great new product coming out uh, for their audio box. It includes everything that you need to kind of get up your podcast or any sort of recording or home recording up and running. And speaking of up and running, to keep you up and running, uh, we also want to thank our sponsor, Bulletproof Coffee which you can find at all Sprouts, Central Markets, uh, and Whole Foods. Uh, so definitely check them out. Uh, it's a great uh, product that doesn't have a lot of the, you know, it's like a lot of the energy without a, a lot of the garbage, that, that a lot of energy drinks comes, you know, with you. Um, it's uh, octane fuel. It's uh, fed by, uh, by, by coconut oil, and it's all natural, and uh, it's a great product. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll be right back uh, with my man, Dave Ketching. Uh, he's one of my oldest friends. And um, you guys know him from members of Queen of the Stone Age and Eagles of Death Metal. And, of course, uh, <clears throat> they filmed a, a fantastic episode of Parts Unknown uh, out at his location uh, at Rancho de la Luna Studios out in the, in the Pioneer Town, the Joshua Tree area out in the high desert. So, uh, anyway, stick around. We'll be right back with Dave Catching. Find us on Twitter at uh, the handle is Tricky Kid and the number two. That's Tricky Kid and the number two. Also on Facebook under Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. But the best way to do it is to subscribe. Go to iTunes. Just type in Tricky Kid Radio. It'll come right on up. It's free. Click that subscribe button and you'll get amazing shows just like this one each and every single Thursday. And we appreciate your support there. And you can imagine how much ratings and um, reviews actually matter. I usually think that it was BS too. Like I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna rate your freaking podcast, dude. Or I'm not gonna sit down and gotta go. Oh, the podcast was so wonderful. Uh, you, I, please do it. It helps. <laughs> um, also. Um, we're across every um, platform now, so you can find us also on Spotify, you know, Stitcher, uh, Feedburn, the whole nine. However, you uh, consume your podcast, uh, Android users, you have not been forsaken again because we're across every single platform, and you'll be able to find us there. Again, also visit our website at trickykid.com. That's tricky-kid.com, uh, and you'll see more pictures and there's more content of what we're of, of this episode and each and every episode each week. friend who is uh, who, who, who's, who played drums um, on a bunch of our uh, demos and we shared uh, studio space with, with this guy and he was a high school buddy of Anthony Bourdain's you know um, his name is Jeff Formosa 
and um, you know he he just posted a whole bunch of uh, photo booth uh, strips you know that uh, uh, of him and and uh, uh, Tony Bourdain at Palisades Park in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I, it must have been from the the seventies, right? Yeah, uh, maybe even earlier because it, I think they tore the place down in the seventies. You know, um, and uh, you know they were they were pretty tight, and uh, Jeff was pretty pretty dumbfounded. Yeah, it. it's impossible to know every somebody else's demons. Really understand people's pain. You know? Yeah, so yeah. Um, for sure. You know, who knows? This is Natalie Cox. I play Juno Eclipse in The Force Unleashed, and you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Tanner. Yeah, you just heard from uh, from Larry Hama there, uh, which was kind of funny because uh, uh, he's, again, I love Prince and I love uh, G.I. Joe. Uh, grew up with that. I have I have his creation tattooed on my body in several places, but yeah, more than once there. And the point being is that what do they all have in common is that Larry Hama and Prince, and my next guest, my good old buddy Dave Ketching, all were born on the same day. Coincidence? I think not. We have a great episode with him. I invite you to check out our archives and actually a part two coming up uh, that we've already have uh, have put together. It'll be debuting in the fall. Uh, but I thought that was kind of funny because he broke the other Bourdain rule as uh, for an old punk from... Um, from New York City, I, when I asked him what the last concert he attended, he would said the Grateful Dead. Um, another band uh, that paid uh, tribute to Tony, of course, was it also was featured on the show uh, actually more than once. Uh, is somebody that's very, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, it was uh, Josh Homme and uh, Queen to the Stone Age. Again, to know me, uh, to know me at all, is to know that Caius, uh, his first band, is uh, not only uh, one of my favorite bands, but uh, but pretty much is personal to me as the sound of my own voice. Uh, I have followed his career. Um, they would come to town, and it would just be me and like 12 of my friends there. Um I worked for Stone Gossard's uh, first uh, or label, record label, Loose Groove. We put out the first Queens record. Um, and I have a long, long, long storied history with them. And I know that uh, Tony was a massive fan of his. Um, and as you heard at the top of the show, we played uh, a little bit of the theme song from Parts Unknown that was actually written by Josh Homme, sung by Mark Lanigan, another member of Queen of the Stone Age. You guys might remember him from also from Screaming Trees and his own fucking glorious solo, uh, solo career. He actually has a new record out uh, this year as well. And um, I couldn't I couldn't overstate, um, you know, how, how important uh, it is to, 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 to not only to this story, but my own personal story. I mentioned my mom earlier, and it was like, how could she have discovered all this before me? Well, here's a great tie that buys, binds that, you know, Caius and Queen of the Stone Age, that's my thing. That's 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 my shit. You know, my mom, I grew up with my mom, you know, wearing my Queen shirts, not even knowing who they were, just because I had so many of them that she needed something else to wear. Um, 
she always knew I had an extra somewhere. So, um, so here was something that she loved, uh, that loved Queens. Um, and the, you know, there's a great episode where they go out into the desert and, uh, to the Rancho de la Luna and they record a song. Uh, they hang out there with, uh, the, the resident, and the producer, my, one of my oldest friends, Dave catching, that's going to be joining us, uh, here in a little bit. Um, I can't wait for you guys to, to hear Dave. He's one of the most golden human beings on, on the face of the earth and, uh, and just such a great person and uh, so great that he was able to join us. Um, something pretty cool happened was that um, Bourdain uh, wrote a letter um, at some point during this. I mean, they had, they had a very, very close friendship, Josh and, uh, and, and Tony, and he wrote a letter um, to his daughter. And so now uh, in response to that, um, now that Tony is gone, um, Josh, wrote a letter to Tony's daughter to kind of help her. She's obviously a very, still a very young girl that something that might help her when she gets older, you know, losing her father is, I couldn't even, I mean, it's just, it's so devastating. And so I'd like, uh, if I could, I'd like to share those with you. And again, this is Tony's letter to, uh, to Josh's uh, daughter, Camille, uh, to kind of set it up for you for a second. I guess she saw uh, a promo for the episode of No Reservations, or again, where they go out to the desert. And in the episode, uh, Tony smashes one of Josh's guitars, and I guess she was bad about it. So uh, this is a letter that, uh, that Josh was so, so great to, uh, to share. Uh, it says, Dear Camille, uh, I hear you were very upset with me after seeing the promo for the show, which I filmed recently with your dad and his friends. And so you saw me take dad's guitar and smash it against a tree. And I'm sure that was upsetting uh, that this, in fact, it was a not so subtle homage to the early works of John Landis and John Belushi is something you could have hardly been expected to know. Uh, Animal House being released long before you were born. And I apologize. Know that that was, in fact, not really dad's guitar, and they were both just playing around. In real life, your dad would have been very angry uh, were I to do such a thing, and he is a large man. Uh, I strongly suspect I would not still be here to write this letter. Uh, I like your daddy very much. We are friends. Your dad was very nice to let me and my camera crew hang out with him all week at, at all his favorite places uh, and to make totally awesome music for us. Uh, I like your dad so much that when an obnoxious super fan of mine at a, a, at a magical place called Pappy and Harriet's got up in dad's face, um, had your dad not gently guided him by the thorax to the welcoming arms of security, I would have broken my beer glass across the man's skull uh, and jabbed the jagged remnants into his fucking neck. Uh, that's the kind of guy I am. I had your daddy's back just like he had mine. You will learn about these things later, possibly in grammar school. Now, get money's writing this to a child. <laughs> that's, that's the Bourdain spirit. Uh, when you watch the show, I hope that there's nothing else in there that upsets you. Uh, you will surely see how completely brilliant daddy is at work. Uh, you will hear a lot of great music. Uh, if you are a foodie, you will probably be terribly disappointed at the change of focus in this week's episode, but at your tender age, I doubt that such a terrible thing is that could have befallen you. Life for you is still filled with hope and promise. Yes, Daddy seems to be drinking a lot of tequila on the show, but he never got drunk. Now, not that I saw anyway. He's a pretty good cook, too, uh, though this is something you surely know by now. And he says, I cook my daughter grilled cheese sandwiches. He's this great cook, you know, and he's cooking his daughter grilled cheese. He goes, what does your daddy cook for you? Sincerely. Uh, what a great 
fucking letter this is. Uh, it's so un, uh, amazing. And I love that line. This life for you is still filled with hope and promise. And that's what we want to tell everybody that's listening. Your life is still filled with hope and promise. Even on your worst day and in your worst hour and your worst times. And I've got some friends out there struggling. Um, we want you to understand that, uh, that you are not alone. Your life is still filled with hope and promise. And I know that Josh, uh, shared that, um, you know, primarily for uh, Tony's daughter, Arion. In fact, he prefaced the letter by saying, Tony, I miss you bad. Uh, and he says, once Camille was so mad at you and she was defending me and so were you. So Arion, this was your father, humbly yours, Joshua. Um, so thanks again to uh, to uh, to Josh for, uh, for sharing that with all of us. Uh, and at the gig uh, on June 8th, uh, at their gig, they uh, dedicated, um, Josh dedicated, uh, long, slow, goodbye. And I'd like to play that live version of it for you right now. And we'll be back with another Queens of the Stone Age member, uh, my man, Dave Ketching. And, and, and sometimes you lose somebody. And, And today we lost somebody, so this song is for Tony. Just a ghost in the 
Uh, I mentioned you too earlier about uh, paying tribute to Anthony Bourdain. Uh, Dave, um, unfortunately, he uh, was he, well, his band Eagles of Death Metal were playing in Paris. You probably have, if you're not familiar with the band or uh, that doesn't ring a bell to you, this definitely will. There was a major tragedy a few years ago uh, on stage in Paris uh, when some crazies uh, entered a, a venue called the Bataclan there. Dave was on stage when some crazy people opened fire and um, and and we lost and lost a lot of people. Like a, it was a, one of the worst tragedies ever. And um, a few weeks later, you um, two would happen to be in Paris and invited them uh, to come and uh, shared the stage with them to kind of give their stage back to them to kind of as, as a sense of healing and. Um, I thought that was great. Um, ironically, I mentioned Prince and I mentioned Larry Hama, my other two major inspirations. Well, this gentleman happens to also have been born on the exact same day as those two giants. And of course, you remember him from, again, the, uh, the, uh, the, the high desert episode of No Reservations uh, with Josh Homme when they go out to Rancho de la Luna, who, who he is the resident and producer and just uh, the guy who, you know those people in life where like if you don't get along with them, it's your fault. Uh, this is that's Dave Catching. Good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. My, my, my neighbor is a little ill so i was helping him out but uh other than that everything's great man well man uh, that's the best excuse i could get i mean you're, you're not saying oh man my you know my car broke down or i'm i'm fucking hung over it's like i was helping my neighbor that that is dave catching in a nutshell right there my friend <laughs> and good well, f- first meet uh uh bourdain uh we met just before the uh the shows they filmed here you know uh he wanted to do a desert episode, and he was friends with Josh Homme, and Josh wanted to bring him up to the high desert and show him the studio. Because he'd, he'd ask about, you know, the studio where they'd done the desert sessions. He was a big fan of all that stuff. Right. He was a big the Stone Age fan and friends with Josh. So they decided to start, you know, in the low desert where Josh is born and kind of work their way up, Pappy and Harriet, and then come here, and then we decided to record a song here. So... I didn't really meet him until he actually got here for the episode. 
Now, were you familiar with who he was, and did you ever watch the show and all that before then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was a huge fan. I, I mean, his show was so great. Impression when you met him? Well, first of all, he was super, super nice and very, very humble towards everyone that was here. And, uh, you know, like I was you know, saying, like I was a huge fan of the, the show because of the way he brought everyone together and... and I think he did a lot for the way that the world works together. You know, like a lot of people are scared of the world because, you know, they've been told these people are bad or, you know, don't go here and you shouldn't go here because this will happen. Right. And, and I love the fact that he went everywhere and showed people that it's okay. He was super cool. We were told that, um, basically, you know, by the crew said, here's what's going to ha- probably happen. He's probably going to, you know, we're going to do a, a, a half day of setup. He and Josh are doing something, and then they're going to come over, and we'll probably shoot for like an hour and a half to a couple hours, and then he'll probably split. Right. And it ended up, he came over and hung out all night. They came back the next day, hung out some. The first night we shot this stuff where we were uh, recording, and uh, the next night we shot the stuff where we were cooking. Stayed for a few extra days doing pickup shots. But that was, you know, it was, it, I guess he was really into it. You can, you can kind of tell by the way, you know, he's he's looking when we were recording. Like you can tell, he's a huge fan of Josh's, right? Right. For sure. And he he seemed to be really enjoying himself here too. You know, like he'd never been up this way, and you know, it, I think it was good for him. I think you know he he really liked it. It was kind of embarrassing for me because we were cooking, and I don't really have any fancy cook I cook all the time yeah right I make this cooking gear available and it was really cool he's like oh yeah this is fine you know so it was great he was really nice and humble and wonderful the impression that that wasn't the norm though like you said I mean like I, I can't see him maybe you know staying a couple of days you know everywhere he goes this seemed to be kind of a kind of a special adventure right it seems to be, and the one thing that I noticed is, you know, like, obviously people like us think, like, wow, what a dream job. You're, you know, first of all, you're an amazing chef and everyone loves you. You're getting to travel everywhere and, you know, like, people just treat you so great. But I tell you, the one thing that was, that was, I noticed is when we went out, uh, everybody wants to drink with you, you know, and, if you drink with them, they're cool. If you say you don't, they get a little upset. But, you know, you start thinking like, wow, if everybody that came up to you at a, you know, if, if you were famous like he was, you know, everyone's coming up to make you do something with this. Right, right. And and it seemed a bit overwhelming to me, you know, like, a, you know, like, yeah, just, just the amount of like, you would have to drink in a night if you were after, if you were going to try to make everyone happy. <laughs> right. and I, saw, I, I, did, I did see a couple of people get upset because you know he'd already done a few shots and people. Well, let's do a shot. He's like, yeah, I'm okay right now. Like, well, what? Are you too good for me? He's like, no, I just you know over. I just drink a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, and you can see on some of the shows where they go out at, at the rancho. Who was all there? Well, there was about, I think there were about six of his. Six of his guys. I had my engineer here. Josh was here. Uh, Hutch and Brian were here. Brian O'Connor, of course. And uh, so there, were, there weren't a ton of people. You know, it was pretty. 
you know, obviously you, you don't want to invite too many people because there's, you know, you're trying to actually get work done right. and you know, blocking shots and stuff. So, you know, it was, it was pretty small, but it, it was a really great group of people. And, you know, and it was people that weren't going to be asking for autographs and stuff. So it was really just the people that were in the show and, and his crew who were super cool. That's like all those cool. Guys were that's really cool to hear that too. Now, also, but think uh, now after the cameras uh, shut down. Now, now was it already understood that the reason why they were coming was to actually record a song, or was that more spontaneous after after he arrived? I think it was a little more spontaneous. You know, this, this was quite a while ago, and I don't remember like when we were setting it up that we were going to do that. Right. I think it was kind of like more last minute. You know, one of these days, man, I'm going to have to to come out. I mean, of course, I've been out to Pappy and Harriet's, but one of these days, we're going to have to have to come out there and you have to give me a tour one of these days. Man, would you please? Yes. I love it out here. Yes. I'm pretty sure it was spontaneous because I don't remember being set up for a gig. Right. You know, I think that I honestly think that we just kind of went for it while, while, uh, while he was here. Yeah. And I thought that was cool too that that you know you guys made sure to try to like because I don't I don't know him to be a musician but you guys found some way to include him on the actual recording. Yeah, we got to we got to have him hit a gong or, or like a piece of metal to ding in the song. Yeah, and I I remember him at first saying like no nah, not nah, cool and then and then you could tell like he actually really wanted to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he he would fuck it up. <laughs> it's like, well, there's no, there's no way you can fuck up this hitting this thing. Right, right. <laughs> so, so we got him in, and it, it turned out to be really great, man. It that's really so, did. That's so cool, man. And is that the song that ended up being the actual theme song? No, but it they, it got played in the in the episode. In right? the episode, okay. Because I, I guess if they wanted to hear that, is it is it available? I think it's called The Lonely Thunderbird, and it's on, uh... Six years of Juilliard. Thank you. 
you now after the camera stopped rolling and you said that he kind of kind of hung out for a little while and, and came back the next day did you guys go out anywhere did you guys go back to pappy and harriet's or or what, what was that about no we, we hung out here because we actually made a big dinner yeah and we just had drinks and a big dinner here and they I can't remember if they stayed. They might have stayed at like the Joshua Tree Inn, which you can walk to from here. You know, right? So I, I think he and Josh just kind of walked down there, and you know, at the end of the night, they, they might have stayed next door at our. I can't remember about if they were in our house or not, but uh, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, the crew stayed next door for sure. Right. Right. Now, was that the only interaction? I mean, uh, like after they were, you know, obviously you guys are out there, you know, shooting bows and arrows and stuff. But was, but after the whole that whole episode was wrapped, did you guys ever? Did you ever see him again or have any inter- any other future interaction? Yeah, a couple of times. I saw him in New York and uh, where else? I, I can't remember. What, maybe I was thinking like maybe Austin at one of our shows in Austin. He was doing something there. It seems like, but uh, I ran into him a couple times. Not a whole, not a whole lot. We, I honestly, uh, I always invited him when we were playing in, in uh, New York. Right. And sometimes he'd be able to come to the shows, and sometimes he wouldn't. Because, you know, I think I think you're right about the Austin thing because I think the, the, one of the only times that I met him, and it might have been with you, Dave, uh, was they were doing. Was it during South by Southwest, and he was doing something there, and uh, that's what I think for sure. Like yeah. During South by Southwest. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I I remember I remember that that part too, and it was like they were judging some sort of like local contest or something it was it was it was a good time and since uh, a great little about how the things you've kind of got going on right now so you've got the rancho mezcal which my fiance is dying to try by the way uh what so we in technical for too long but it's, it's going to be a little while longer it, it, uh, it's rancho de la luna mezcal and my my friend and partner uh bingo richie who is also my partner in Mojave Lords, we started a Mezcal company. And it's funny because it just gets into the United States uh, next week, next Monday. It arrives on the 24th in in uh, Chicago. And then we go from there to California, Oregon, and Louisiana to start out with. And then we start spreading across the rest of the rest of the country and world hopefully outstanding man and are you going to be doing some sort of like tasting tour or anything for this we we are actually we're we're going to new orleans from the 25th to the 29th and we're doing a show at one eye jacks on the 26th and peaches records and tapes on the 27th and bba on the 28th and then we're uh going to DJ Devil's Night in Chicago at the Liars Club. Nice. So we're going to have a lot going on. We have some other stuff coming on, but we're just kind of waiting until everything is in place. But we're, we're, I'm so busy at the studio right now. I'm working on, like, the band from Dallas is coming in today. I wish I knew their name. They never told me the name. <laughs> it's just friends. Um, and uh, Mojave Lords are almost finished with our record. The Earthlings almost finished with a new record. Masters Reality have been working on a record. So Damn. A lot of cool stuff getting ready to come out. That's very, very exciting, man. And dude, I love the the shared hallucinations. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I, I love that album too. I have a lot of really great friends do it with me and I'm really proud of that album. I think it's a, I think it turned out really great. 
I'm looking forward to having him back out. He comes out in a couple of days, and we're going to finish the Earthling stuff. So. Oh, outstanding! Please, please Maybe give him come out for that and come hang with us for that. When 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 is that going to be? He's going to come out on October second through the sixth. Okay, all right. So, so we need. I need to get my ass out there because I would love. I mean, think about how much more fun this also would be of us doing this in person and and uh, and playing some records and and you know and having some having some of that new hooch that you're making. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been a little longer than I would like to say that I've seen you in person too. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, for sure. In fact, and that's what you know. We're talking about the first time. I was trying to think about the last time, and I think the last time was it with was it at Collins' party? Was it Collins um, when he had the movie and he did the whole Tower Records thing when you guys played? I'm, surely I've seen you since then, hasn't it? You know, I, it, we, we had to have seen each other since then. Yeah, you know what? I remember, okay, so I came out, okay, I know, I think I know what it was. I came out to uh, when you guys did, um, when Goat Snake and Mojave Lords did the thing at Pappy and Harriet's, and I came out for that. I think that might have been the last time. Yeah, but still, I think so. But still, too damn long. So yeah, man, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna, gonna make some plans and come out there. And I, I would love to, 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 to be a part of that and and and, and to hear that new Earthlings record. You know, one of the one of my favorite records that, and I, I maybe you can offer some insight here. One probably one of my favorite records that Pete is on. It's, and it's actually kind of cool because the Wool record that Dine Alone put out, there's a seven inch of the song I'm talking about. It's a song called Short Term Memory Loss and I think it was recorded live. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that is can you share for, for just for right now, can you share any insights or any memories you have about that recording? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean that that recording was really cool because it's a split single with Caius as right. well. It's a song called Shine that Caius does and Short Term Memory Loss. And it actually ends with us making a blender full of mushroom which are mushroom margaritas. And, and I definitely remember that session because we were all out here and, uh, as the recording got going, Fred and I made mushroom margaritas for everyone to finish off the night. And that was a really, really, I mean, it was always great to have the wool guys out because they were really one of my favorite bands. Yeah, it's, it's one of those bands that I, I, I can't figure out why they didn't get huge because, they were kind of around during a whole grungy kind of thing. Yeah. They were better than all those bands, I thought. Totally. Has you credited as, um, now I know why it says, like, you know, so-and-so on the guitar, it's got Dave Catching on the blender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, That's wonderful, man. It was, it was always great to have those guys out. We were all friends, and... That's a pretty rare single, uh... I don't think I even have a copy of that one. Yeah. stories and I'm, I'm glad that there's this great platform for you to play music and 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 to kind of share all that stuff with people on the, and so how did you end up partnering up with uh with gimme radio? Well, my friend Dean Ristler, who plays with everybody from the dictators through a million other bands uh, called me up and he asked if I wanted to be part of the really cool radio station that plays super heavy metal and black metal and hard rock, you know, it's, it's all, it's all over the place. But I told him I wasn't a real knowledgeable guy about black metal or anything, but he, he asked if I could do a proto metal show. So my show on the station is a little bit 
different than most of the people. It, it goes even back into the 50s because it's just, I play stuff that, uh, you know, that, in, that influenced metal. So I can play anything from Johnny Burnett Trio through stuff of today. And so far it's been getting a pretty good uh, reception because it's a lot of stuff that people haven't heard. And, you know, I play stuff from 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and the 2000s. So I kind of go all over the place. And some some of the shows are just super heavy. And it's, it's a really great free radio station. Everybody that works there is super cool. There's so many. Bob Hannum, that, uh, he's a musician. And he also did the Melvins uh, documentary that just came out last year. Oh, okay. He, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, he's one of the DJs and... Yeah, so many good. John Brookhouse. I mean, most of the people are musicians or actors. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool. Everyone's show is a little bit different. They're all two hours. And uh, tune in to Give Me Radio. My, my show is called The Ascendant Oral Architects, and it's all the proto-metal stuff. You were playing some shit that I, A, never even heard of or wouldn't even begin to, to know where. And I love that. I love being turned on to something, especially when I'm in my car. You know, I don't want to hear something yeah. familiar. I want to hear something new, you know? Well, you're, that's, that's saying a lot because you're one of the most knowledgeable people about music that I know. So I appreciate that, I'm man. you haven't heard, that's pretty incredible. I, I appreciate you saying that, man, and I said right back at you because like, cause I, I loved it. I was just like, I, and I kind of had, had an idea. I thought, well, you know, what I was going to hear. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a really fun thing for me to do. I, I enjoy it because, I mean, some of my shows will be all over the place. Some, I, like the one the next Wednesday is going to be a little bit heavier. You know, I like to keep people guessing on there. Because right. This is, pretty magical it's always been super giving in its musicality and just giving people stuff I'm, that's why a lot of people are drawn to coming out here you know it's not like it's not like a&m studios where it's huge rooms and the greatest gear ever there's lots of funky gear and it's small and you're on top of each other and you have to crawl over each other to get to the other side of the room but there's, there's something about it where when you get in here, it, you can create a lot of cool stuff. Well, you know that the Rancho that you can't buy, you know? Well, thank you for saying that. I, I really feel that's true. There is there is something here. I, I think because, you know, it's a house. So, you know, like I'll be cooking while someone's singing next to the stove while the band's going or, you know, people are outside writing, which is, which is great. And, and it's a... It's an interesting place to be out here. Yeah. You know, I, it's funny because when we started the studio, this is our 25th year, and when we started it, there was one other little studio, and the guy, he did, he just really did his own music at his place, and now there's at least a dozen studios out here. But I still get, you know, I still have like a little niche, and people come here because they want to record where some of the people they really liked recorded well yeah for sure for sure but, but not to mention but that that's the real currency I, I i would say that if there was any band that had kind of maybe lost some sort of inspiration or kind of forgotten why they started playing in the first place i i i could see them coming out there and just being reinvigorated just by just by the environment well i can't wait for you to come because it, 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 it's been too long since i've seen you i'd love to show you around here i, I think you'd really get a kick out of it <laughs> hopefully you'll be here for the desert days and we can hang out then for sure that absolutely for sure you know i've got and there's a lot of music to be made out there a lot of fun to be had um oh yeah sitting out there and seeing you in person excellent man well i, I miss you and I, I hope to see you soon I, I think, you know 
you get involved with different people and the next thing you know, you might, you know, you might get involved with people that can bring you to Texas faster. Right. I mean, we we thought we were going to have to wait for Louisiana, but that just happened really fast too. So hopefully we'll be in Texas. You you would love this mezcal. It's the best I've ever had. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Well, that'll be great to hang out with you both. Well, brother, listen, all my love to you. Um, Just me the name of the band. Awesome, man. Tons of love to you. You too, brother. Cheers, man. Thanks again so much to my man, Dave Catching. Uh, You know, we did a... um a, an episode actually uh, featuring all the, cra- the crazy uh, and vast and prolific projects that uh, that Dave's involved in uh, when the Paris tragedy happened and in order to raise awareness and to raise some money and uh, and bring some attention to that. Uh, check that out. That's in our archives. Just go to Tricky Kid Radio Podcast and, uh, and look that up. Uh, it's great, great, great stuff. Uh, love Dave so much. Uh, there's He's been around for a very, very long time and uh, I love him dearly. And if anyone knows him, you know that he is one the most positive people uh, you'll ever be around in your life and just such an impact he's had on mine back uh, with some final thoughts um, uh, about the life and legacy um, and just the spirit of Anthony Bourdain
something else we, we lost earlier this year was uh, was Anthony Bourdain, uh, somebody else who put in a lot of miles and stuff. Were you aware of him and the show, oh, yeah, and I were you a big, big fan of his or yeah, not? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I, did, I know John Paul read his book yeah. even, even before he became this big sensation right. that he was. I just liked his honesty. And also, and I, I think you can draw parallels to music, it's like this has been the best education money can buy. You can't learn these things in, in any, any right. school. Meeting people on a real level, like when we go to another country, they may not speak English or we certainly can't speak their language, but you're not on the tourist route. Right. You're seeing people in their natural environment. That's right. And it's, um, it's we're very fortunate to be able to say that. Yeah. And you realize that pretty much everybody's the same in yeah. a lot of ways. I mean, if you put a bunch of people in a small room with loud music and beer it's the great um it's the great leveler yeah you know there's not a whole lot of di- cultural differences right. at that point that's right i always tell people in all my travels when they always you know when i come back home and stuff they always want to say like well, what were they like here what were they like there and I'm like you know what i was more amazed about how similar and the things mm-hmm. i had in common and the similarities than i did the differences yeah with people it's I think sometimes the differences get run up the flagpole as a defense mechanism. Right, right, right. Um, you know, everybody wants the same thing in certain order. You, you want food and water, shelter, and, and safety. And once you get that taken care of, then it's like, okay, we want to have a good time while That's we're right. here. And it's... Uh, and yes, I like how you see it for real. It's hard to believe. Yeah, and I like how he went to those places. When, see, it's okay to go here. You don't have to be afraid of this place. This, this he, he put in the miles there. You know. Last but not least. Uh, okay, so whenever you're ready. Okay, well, this is Sam Jones slash Gordon. I'm with Roy Turner at Tricky Kid Radio, and you better be tuning in, or I will find you. Yes, I will. Yes. <laughs> and you uh, you heard Neil Fallon there, my buddy Neil from the band Clutch, uh, there at the end. Um, uh, we can't. We're so excited to bring you. Uh, uh, Neil's going to be our our guest next week, and we'll have a full episode of Clutch uh, with Neil talking about his entire career. Their new kick ass record called Book of Bad Decisions. Uh, we he and I are old friends, and we had a great talk catching up. Um, we hadn't had a chance to do that in quite a, quite a few. A while I've seen him, but we haven't had a time to to sit down and really do it. Uh, And I'm excited to bring that to you. One of my favorite tributes um, was from uh, um, former President Barack Obama. Uh, You you know, everyone remembers a great episode that they did together. And uh, he quote he tweeted out. He says uh, about whenever they were in in Hanoi there in Vietnam. He says low plastic stool, cheap but delicious noodles, and cold. Uh, Hanoi beer. Oh, uh, it says, this is how I remember Tony. He taught us about food, but more importantly, about its ability to bring us together, to make us a little less afraid of the unknown, and we'll miss him. Uh, and that's perfect, because uh, that's exactly what he did. Uh, you know, he he was able to to bring people together in that very basic way of sitting across somebody and talking about you know the common denominator of, of food and travel and and the unknown. Um, and again, in making people a little less afraid to say, Hey, you know what? You can go here. Check this out. And, uh, fun fact for you is that that restaurant in Vietnam was so honored by their visit that they actually framed the table and the stools. I'll have a picture up on our website at trickykid.com. That's tricky hyphen kid.com. Uh, and it's, it's so cool that, uh, that table and the stools are framed right there, uh, in the restaurant.
He also was somebody that was completely no bullshit to the end. And when one of its final interviews that, that you probably have, have seen posted, um, again, I'm not going to get political here and, and get into any sort of negativity thing, but uh, just know, you know, if you know who he was, you knew what he, what he supported and what his causes were. And he was unflailing uh, and completely relentless uh, in those pursuits. Uh, candid uh, would be an understatement uh, in his criticisms of those that opposed or were not uh, a part of that agenda uh, met a very scathing uh, weapons grade uh, criticisms from him. Um, he mentions, uh, you know, obviously he was um, had the platform to be uh, the most outspoken because he cast the widest that everybody watched his show. You know, not just punks, not just hipsters. Like I said, my mom watched the show. She was, he was her his, his her favorite so uh what a great way and a great usage of that platform uh and there's so much more coming man he was working on there's actually going to be a um a cnn documentary that's coming up next year it's actually going to be actually in the theaters uh that's that's how beloved that's how important that's how impactful um there is a, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but there's a comic book that came out that he worked on uh, that came out this past January. And I think there are about four issues in. I have the first two. Uh, it's called Anthony Bourdain's Hungry Ghost. And uh, uh, it's awesome, man. Uh, he wrote it with Joel Rose and uh, uh, great, great, amazing illustrations uh, from the great Alberto uh, uh, Ponticelli. And uh, they're kind of hard to get already, and and that would be the case even if uh, you know if we didn't suffer the tragedy, but because uh, it's just that damn good. Again, I believe that they're on episode. I think it's just four, and I think they're going to collect them in a um, in a trade paperback. But uh, but check that out, man. The art is awesome. The writing, everything about it is cool. It's got that that seal of quality that he uh, would put a stamp on. Uh, there's a lawmaker who's actually introducing uh, legislation to establish an Anthony Bourdain food trail uh, in New Jersey, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, and I, I, I love that. And I can kind of continue that uh, that spirit and uh, kind of have that, tra- that you know, kind of traversing some of those same uh, same walks there. Uh, I, I know there's a show on Netflix right now called Maniac, and I love that it's it's really doing a, a great job of of uh, portraying. Uh, it's got uh, Jonah Hill and Emma Stone's in it, um, and it's kind of raising awareness and kind of portraying a very accurate. Uh, maybe there's nothing on TV that uh, that speaks to you. Maybe that maybe that's maybe that can lead to a uh, maybe that could be a trigger. Maybe that could lead to something uh, that gets you down. You, that your problem or your suffering isn't probably represented. So I think Maniac is doing a pretty cool show. I mean, doing a pretty good job of that. Uh, check that out. It's entertaining for all, uh, but I think they're doing some great work there. I wanted to remind everybody what the National uh, Suicide Prevention Hotline number is. It's 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. Uh, September is Suicide Prevention Month, and uh, but we're not just stopping in September. Uh, we're going to keep this going and do the best that we can to, uh, to help everybody understand that they're not alone. And all you have to do is just reach out, uh, make that phone call. Uh, you can even text um, and get the help that you need. And again, there's, you know, obviously this final season of Parts Unknown. And again, we've been talking about how much he was such a champion of music. And uh, I wanted to read you something uh, that um, uh, Amy Intellis, she's executive vice president of talent and content at CNN. She told LA Weekly, um, 
that that the show will have two final episodes that will both serve as tributes, of course, to Tony. Uh, she says the penultimate, the penultimate episode will have cast and crew talking about the making of the series, utilizing outtakes and behind the scenes footage. The last hour will be devoted to how Tony affected the world. Until said, drawing on a, on fan reactions to his program and sidekicks and friends who appeared on the series. There are no plans to draw on the show's archives beyond the final two episodes. Um, and I think that's pretty, pretty cool that she's out to be, you know, didn't want to start putting out things that, that weren't meant to be. Um, if you're a Prince fan, uh, mentioned earlier, you kind of know what, what's going on with that right now. If you've seen that recent credit card ad and, uh, they put out some new Prince record last week with a, a called, um, Prince and a microphone 1983, which, uh, if Prince wanted those out in 1983, he would have released them himself. So I've always admired Charles Schultz from peanuts where he had it in his will that, uh, that, um, the comic strip will live on, uh, but there will be no new strips written. He was the writer of that, of that, and 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 the same thing here with Bourdain. And I'm glad that they're honoring that. Uh, but there is uh, of the the other four episodes. One was going actually going to center around New York City's uh, East Village and Lower East Side, where it all started. And uh, you know, he was working on a thing about you know the punks and the punk rocks and all that great spirit that was happening then. Um, you know, he visited locations, uh, obviously Ray's Candy Store, uh, you know, Max Fish, John's at 12th Street. Um, he meets up with Hardy Flanagan, of course, from the Cro-Mags, Debbie Harry, of course, Blondie, Chris Stein, um, filmmakers Jim Jarmusch uh, and Amos Poe, hip-hop pioneer uh, and visual, of course, Fab Five Freddy, who, of course, is in the Blonde, uh, Blondie song. Uh, lots of great people. Danny Fields, Ken Congo, Congo Powers, Lydia Lunch, obviously Richard Hell of Television. If you remember the old theme uh, from parts, I'm sorry, from No Reservations, you could kind of hear a snippet uh, of Love Comes in Spurts, which is a great, great, great <laughs> title and a great song uh, for that. And for me personally, I just wanted to say that, the, you know, that the, the influence and the inspiration was just kind of his the steadfast belief in this counterculture uh, that inspired his work. You know, he submerged himself in everything that he did, for every dish. If it was a bag of Fritos uh, or a hot dog, or if it was at you know fine dining, or God knows where he was. Uh, but the idea was when you watch the show, you didn't just digest the food. He, he digested the culture, uh, the context that produced it, uh, and kind of the same, that's, you know, the same way that how we enjoy rock and roll and punk rock. You know, we digest it, uh, not just the music, but uh, the culture that surrounds it, um, the venues that host it, um, everything. Um, you know, it's it was it's inclusive. Uh, and very, very little capacity for bullshit. Uh, and I'm, he was so aware of that. And again, what Lauren said earlier, he was doing his best not to grow up and, uh, and, uh, through him, it's, it's hard to imagine, uh, that he ever would, would have. And, uh, and, and that spirit lives on. Twitter at uh, the handle is Tricky Kid in the number two. That's Tricky Kid in the number two. Also on Facebook under Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. But the best way to do it is to subscribe. Go to iTunes. Just type in Tricky Kid Radio. It'll come right on up. 
It's free. Click that subscribe button and you'll get amazing shows just like this one each and every single Thursday. And we appreciate your support there. And you can imagine how much ratings and um, reviews actually matter. I usually think that it was BS too. Like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to rate your freaking podcast, dude. Or I'm not going to sit down and go, oh, the podcast was so wonderful. Uh, you, I, please do it. It helps. <laughs> um, also, um, we're across every um, platform now. So you can find us also on Spotify, you know, Stitcher, uh feed burn the whole nine however you uh consume your podcast uh android users you have not been forsaken again because we're across every single platform and you'll be able to find us there again also visit our website at trickykid.com that's tricky-kid.com uh and you'll see more pictures and there's more content of what we're all right i'm going to leave you with this one um it's you'll think you'll see it that it's appropriate um I just wanted to say, Tony, uh, it's unacceptable that you're gone. It's it's unthinkable um, in this crazy world that we live in. Uh, you know, the, the the one beacon, that one road warrior, um, that was such a, a a guiding light and such a such a, a beacon of hope for 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 me, for specifically my family, and pretty much everybody that I knew. Um, knowing that you were out there. You know, putting in the miles, uh, showing us, uh, you know, that it was safe to go to these places and just your your fearlessness, uh, the honesty, everything about it. Um, You seemed invincible and and it just goes to show you that you never know what people are going through. And that's the whole point of this is that everybody be out there, be kind to one another. Um, And we thank you for tuning in. This is a song about a superhero.